You're listening to Joey's Totally Tech, your tech podcast. So what's been going on with GameStop's stock? Why did it go up so much? And why are hedge fund managers frustrated about it? Is there a revolution happening on Wall Street? We'll discuss this on this episode of Joey's Totally Tech, entitled Honky Stonk Badonka Donk, The GameStop Story. This one was prepared by Antonio here on Joey's Totally Tech. Hi, welcome to Joey Soli Tech. I'm Joey Cagle. And Antonio Guerra making his triumphant return to the podcast. Yeah, welcome back, Antonio. Antonio, what have you been up to the past few weeks? You've been missing, man. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I took some time off for the holidays. I was hanging out with my son. Uh, he came to Charlotte to visit me. He lives in Memphis. Okay. I, uh, I went to, uh, to the Baltimore area to visit uh, my mom, my dad, and my grandmother. Saw some other family while I was up there after Christmas. Uh, it was my grandmother's 80th birthday on uh, January the 3rd. So so the uh, I think her party was the day after that, though. Okay. But yeah, it was a surprise party for us, so it was very nice. Uh, what else? What else? Oh, I hurt my foot. Uh, as, oh. I, as I may have mentioned before, I have tendonitis. So uh, I, had, I wasn't really injured. It was just my foot was swollen. It was just difficult for me to get around. Like, you know, nothing major, just... Basically, it was just bruised, but because of my tendonitis, it gets inflamed, and that's that. Oh, gosh. So I had to take a little bit of time off of work, but I actually just got a new job. Uh, I'm no longer with Amazon. I just started as a uh, loan servicer for One Main Financial. So Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I know how it is having a bum foot. I mean, I've sprained my ankle so many times. Uh, you know, I have mild cerebral palsy, and I've got to be careful when I'm uh, outside. I can trip and fall easily. I've sprained my ankle and my foot so many times, and um, yeah, it's, uh, it's resulted in a stretched out ligament, which causes arthritis for me, too. Amazingly, yes. I'm taking Taekwondo. Which is really helping me with that, I think, you know? Yeah, I've actually been uh, doing a little bit of yoga. I have a nice little stretch that I do. You've heard of DDP yoga, right? Yes, yeah, Diamond Dallas Page from wrestling, yes. (laughs) He has a great, like, little 11-minute stretch in the morning. It's awesome. It's, like, low impact, and it's really just works on, like, your core strength and your balance and your breathing. And uh, if you just want to search for it on YouTube, just search for DDP yoga, wake up. It's called a wake-up workout. And like I said, like when I was, when my foot was hurt, I was just doing that, you know, just stretching it out really helps things, you know, start flowing and stretching out again, you know? Right, right. So it's no impact. So don't tell impact wrestling that. Oh yeah. So, uh, so it's, it's no AEW. Yeah. 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 That was a cheesy. (laughs) Anyway, uh, you've got some good ideas for the podcast we're going to try this week, including a little game that we'll start off with. Yes, so. they say devils, uh, the idle hands of the devil's play thing. So while I was not working, I was busy in the lab cooking up some hot ideas for the uh, podcast. So we're going to implement those in the coming weeks, you know, see what works, see what doesn't. Yes. And, uh, you know, so some cool things in store for us. Yeah, totally. And now it's time for Totally Tech Trivia, a.k.a. Joey Purdy. <laughs> Joey Party. <laughs> All right. So, Antonio. The royalty is on that. Yeah. That's going to be edited out. Okay, good. Okay. All right. So, Antonio, tell us the rules for Totally Tech Trivia. All right. So, Joey, uh, the other day when I was designing this game, I asked you for a couple of uh, 
uh, tech trivia categories you might yes. be interested in. And you gave me three. You gave me retro tech, tech personalities, and gaming tech. All right. So I added two extra ones just to kind of mix things up for you. We have ancient tech as well as future tech. Ooh. Okay. All right. So you're going to have five categories. You're going to be given one question from each category. Power is completely in your hands, but there is a little wrinkle. Uh, Each category will be assigned randomly. So each category has a color. So it's uh, red, yellow, green, purple, or blue. Okay? Okay. So each time I'm going to have you give me one of the colors, and you won't know which uh, category it corresponds to. So you give me a color and a number from 1, 2, or 300. Okay? Okay. 100 is going to be an easier question. 300 will be a more challenging question. Uh, The point of the game is to reach 1,000 points. So uh, to the mathematically inclined, that means you have to have an average of 200 uh, points per question. So I'm pretty good at math. So if you get into territory where like it's impossible to win, if you ask a 100-point question, I'll let you know. So don't worry about that. Okay. So uh, do you have any questions? Uh, No questions. Not right now, Uh, anyway. All right. So I guess to start off with, and I'll be keeping score for you. Let me get my handy-dandy cell phone here. All right, so I need you to pick one of the colors. So it's basically the six primary colors except for orange. Okay. So we're going to do green. Green. So green is future tech. All right. So, let me just get the calculator here. Sorry, I didn't do enough show prep. Here we go. Clear that off. Okay, so I need a number. You know what? I'm sorry. I wasn't supposed to tell you the... Uh, points here. So I'm going to mix something up really quick. Uh-oh. So green is now going to be a different uh, category. Oh. I need you to give me a number. Uh, might as well start off with 300, man. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Big baller. <laughs> Alright. So green is now I can totally to lose tech this. personalities. Tech personalities. Alright. Okay, so you're pretty hip in the tech personality game, so this may not may or may not be a challenging one for you. Yeah, okay. it could be. So, uh, do you prefer to play Jeopardy rules, or you have to play who is or what is, or do you just want to say the answer? Uh, I think for the say the answer. Okay. Okay. For 300 points, this Microsoft head's first major acquisition as CEO was Minecraft developer Mojang for a hearty sum of 2.5 billion dollars. I wonder how many diamond swords I could buy with that. Oh gosh. I I cannot remember the guy's name honestly. Ugh. I'll give you okay, I'll give you a big boy hint because I'm a nice guy like yeah. that. His initials is are uh, SN. That doesn't help because I don't think I ever memorized his name. I've seen it once or twice and um that's about it. <laughs> oh, Joe, you're breaking our hearts. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, well, it's okay. Hey, it's, it's hey. You gotta roll the dice to play the game. It's yeah, not a big deal. Exactly. And don't get me wrong. Not all the 300 is gonna be this challenging. There's different right. levels of. So don't just discourage. Okay. Yeah. And so I, I knew I it for points. a little bit, but I it's been so long since I've seen the name. So. Well, you're always gonna remember the name Satya. Nadella. What? Microsoft's what? CEO. Oh, I thought you were asking about the name of the guy at Mahjong. That's said this Microsoft uh, Ed's first major acquisition. Oh, I, I missed that. All right. On good faith, uh, did you know the name of the Microsoft CEO? Yes, I knew the name of the Microsoft CEO, Satya Nadella. Yeah. Do you swear on your fiance's eyes? I swear. Okay. All right. All right. I'll give it to you. <laughs> okay. You only get one of those, just so you know. <laughs> okay. okay. I mean, that that one was a pretty easy one, and it's like I totally missed that little detail. Saying, I, I, don't know, I don't know who you know. I'm just saying, so I just yeah. didn't know who that was. So. Yeah. Okay, cool, so cool, cool. cool. All right. So I'll clear that one off. Good job. Okay, so controversy out the gate, but hey, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, as Eric Bischoff from Pro Wrestling says, controversy creates cash. So, you know. All right, so you're going to start paying me now. That's all I like to hear. <laughs> all right, so you have uh, three more colors left. All right. Yellow, red, 
blue or purple? And I need the number two. Let's go blue 200. All right. Blue is going to be gaming tech for 200 points. Mm -hmm. This piece of gaming tech was an NES peripheral controller introduced in 1989. It had notable cameos in such films as The Wizard and Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. It's so bad. That is the freaking power glove, man. (laughs) Ding, 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 baby. Okay. (laughs) All right. So we have a movie buff. Yeah. Yeah, I was I always loved Freddy's Dead. It's like, don't forget the power glove. Da 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 da. Yeah, I, I didn't see that one, but I saw the wizard. So you know, I saw the wizard on Nickelodeon <laughs> when I was like in middle school. Yeah. I'm like, well, this is kind of cool. Yeah, if it was like five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, all right. So I'll delete this. Sorry, I haven't used a spreadsheet in a while. Oh no worries, man. Oh yeah, I forgot. That was two hundred points, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. So I'll delete this. Are you having fun so far, Joey? I am, yeah. All right. See, this is what we call banter while I'm trying to stall. Yeah. And I'm not bantering enough. And okay, so I need another color from you. We have, uh, so just so you know, you're halfway home. So you can All play right. You can play a little uh, showboat, try to clear the board, or you can maybe try to play a little defense. It's up to you, okay? Okay. Colors left in play. We have red, purple, or yellow. Red 300. Okay, big buy. All right, so red is going to be future tech. So for 300 points. I feel like this might be too easy, but we'll see. This famous test was developed by and named after an English mathematician and cryptanalyst and used to determine if an artificial intelligence is capable of thinking like a human. That would be Turing. The Turing test. Very good. All right. So just so you know, you're only 200 points away. All right. So you can uh, go for bonus points, obviously. So. Yeah. All right. I, I guess we'll have to come up with some more challenging questions next time. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I was giving you the kid gloves. Yeah, definitely. All right. All right. So two left are yellow and purple. Let's do yellow 300. Why not go for bonus points? There we go. There we go. Oh, yellow is going to be ancient tech for 300 points. This piece of ancient tech is 1,600 years old and is the Internet's favorite catapult alternative. It also comes in three varieties, traction, counterweight, and counterpoise. Oh, gosh. Oh, I finally stumped you. Yes, that one does stump me. Do you know French by any chance? Uh, not much. Okay. Well, the piece of artillery you're ser- uh, the piece of artillery you're searching for is the trebuchet. The trebuchet. Yeah, it's sort of like a catapult. Like a catapult, you kind of like pull it back, and oh. it's sort of like a uh, like potential energy kind of thing. Trebuchet uses like a counterweight system, as okay. opposed to like. Okay. So, okay. So you're still. So you have to go for 200 points for this last one. Do you want to go for 200, play it safe, or you want to showboat a little? I'm going to go 200, play it safe. Oh, there we go. See, good old conservative Joe. <laughs> just, just not in his politics. Yeah, not, not in my politics. Yeah. All right, so for 200 points, retro tech... This piece of retro tech was introduced in the 1960s and was an option in three Ford models in 1966. The Mustang, the Thunderbird, and the Lincoln. It was best. It was the best way to listen to Velvet Underground on the go. Oh, gosh. Um... Come on, you know this, Joe. I think it's the 60s. What do people listen to yeah. in the 60s of the cars? Come on. Um, let's see, probably eight tracks. There you go for the <laughs> last minute. I didn't know you're gonna go that retro. That chin chin chin. I didn't so know you're going that retro. That surprised me. I was thinking like '80s retro, but yeah, you went very retro. <laughs> hey, you never know what you're gonna find on uh, Totally Tech Trivia. Right. That's right. All right. So Totally Tech Trivia. What do you think? Is it a winner? It's a winner. I like playing it, man. 
it's a winner, just like yeah, you. Totally. So. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, Sorry to, I don't have a prize or anything for you. Yeah, that's all right. You, uh, yeah. I'll have to challenge you to some of this uh, trivia stuff, (laughs) too. If you you want to challenge you to a trivia contest next week, feel free. Yeah, definitely. So, on to uh, our main story for the day, GameStop and the stock situation. Yeah, so uh, before uh, I type the story up, have you heard much about this? Uh, yeah, I knew about it. I've actually been posting to my personal Facebook about it, um, some of the political side of things, and um, you know how uh, it seems like a lot of uh, the poor people like us are kind of screwing over the hedge fund managers right now. You know? Yeah, I guess uh, I guess the consensus among you know my section of the internet is kind of like, hey, you guys have been manipulating the market for decades. We're mm-hmm. just trying to get us a slice. What's what's going on? Now you got Robin Hood doing their thing, so yeah. So uh, so yeah, so this this kind of piqued my interest. Uh, oh, yeah. It kind of got me interested in stocks. Actually, I downloaded a couple apps. Okay. I've done a couple trades since then. So you know, actually, I bought Robin Hood the other day, and it went up forty percent. Oh wow! It dropped down to like twelve, but you know, they say diamond hands beat paper hands, so you got to hold on to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. All right, so uh, so basically. I'm going to give you the quick rundown of uh, the early years of GameStop as a company, and mm-hmm. then uh, we're going to kind of go into uh, kind of their downfall, and then kind of what led into you know the whole uh, everything that's been happening in the last couple of weeks. Okay. All right. Let's get started. I call this story Honky Stonk Badonka Donk. Part 1, GameStop, the early years. GameStop's earliest incarnation can be traced back to a small computer software retail store first opened in 1984 in Dallas, Texas's North Park Center by Harvard Business School's classmates James McCurry and Gary Cousin. Apparently, these guys were fans of 19th century polymath Charles Babbage, who also happens to be the originator of the earliest concept for digital computing. I say this because McCurry and Cousins' shop was called Babbage's. This company saw early success as a software retailer, focusing primarily on video game sales. The company went public in 1987 as Babbage's continued to focus on video games, and by 1991, the medium was responsible for nearly 70% of their total sales. In 1994, Babbage's merged with a Minnesota-based PC software retailer called Software Etc. The merger led to the creation of a new holding company called Neostar. Both Babbage's and Software Etc. operated separately as as subsidiaries of Neostore Retail Group. Following the merger, James McCurry transitioned from his role as chairman of Babbage's to Neostar's new chairman, while Gary Cousin and a man named Daniel DeMatteo remained in their positions as presidents of Babbage's and Software Etc. respectively. In 1996, the Babbage's and Software Etc. brands were merged into a single company. As sales continued to decline that year, Neostar filed for bankruptcy, and its assets were eventually purchased by Barnes & Noble chairman Leonardo Rizzio. Following the purchase, about 200 re- retail locations were closed nationwide. Fun fact, Electronic Boutique also attempted to purchase Neostar, but unfortunately their bid would have led to the closure of approximately 50% more locations than uh, Rizzio's bid. Uh, don't worry though, this isn't the last we're going to hear of Electronic Boutique. Riggio dismantled Neostar Retail Group and formed a new holding company called Babbage's, etc. Sadly, Riggio was not as creative as Babbage's original founders, but fortunately, Riggio's creativity does not directly correlate to his acumen as a businessman. Within three years, Babbage's, etc. saw enough success that they were able to launch a brand new software retail chain called GameStop. In 1999, the GameStop brand launched with 30 locations as well as online retailer GameStop.com, which also advertised in Babbage's and Software Etc. locations. Later that year, Babbage's Etc. was purchased by Barnes & Noble. A second video game retailer called Funko Land was also acquired in 2000, which ended up merging with Babbage's Etc. later that year. Funko Land was renamed to GameStop. Barnes & Noble took GameStop public in 2002 and retained majority control of the company until GameStop became independent in 2004. In 2005, GameStop merged with EB Games, previously known as Electronics Boutique, remember them, which helped them expand into Europe, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. 
Part 2, The Fall of an Empire. Following its acquisition of EB Games, and thanks in large part to their commitment to digital sales, GameStop continued to see steady growth for over a decade. At that time, they continued to buy up a number of regional video game retailers, both domestic and international. They also acquired other non-retail companies, such as browser-based gaming company Congregate and cloud-based gaming company Spawn Labs. In 2012, GameStop began setting its sights beyond video games with its acquisition of online-based electronics retailer Bimitronics. This trend continued with the purchase of several other electronic and mobile phone retailers. By 2016, GameStop's primary business model, the buying and selling of used physical game discs, started to become outdated as the rise of competing online retailers like Amazon, as well as the prominence of digital gaming, not to mention the emergence of cloud-based gaming, fewer and fewer people were purchasing physical video games, let alone in a brick-and-mortar establishment. That holiday season, GameStop reported a 16.4% drop in sales. The following year, in 2017, GameStop's practice of requiring its employees to focus the majority of their sales on pre-owned games, game pre-orders, and rewards programs became public knowledge. Following this revelation, several current and former GameStop employees came forward claiming that they felt they were placed in the position where they were required to lie or mislead customers. Poor public perception coupled with dwindling sales company-wide led to the closure of more than 150 GameStop locations that year. Other poor business decisions, such as their $800 million loss from the acquisition and sale of Spring Mobile, led to the record-breaking losses in 2017 and again in 2018. In 2019, GameStop started a company-wide initiative to remodel several locations and reinvigorate the company's public image. This initiative saw the company develop new ways for customers to try games while the remodels allowed for social gaming spaces with an emphasis on both competitive and retro gaming. Unfortunately, these efforts weren't enough to stop GameStop from laying off 150 employees that year or from closing over 180 stores. In 2020, GameStop was forced to halt in-store operations in all of their North American locations between March and May due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The company also faced criticism for their response to the pandemic with concerns for customer and employee safety. This, combined with several years of declining sales, caused GameStop's stock to plummet. This, in turn, led to the short selling of the stock by several financial institutions. Part 3. Is the juice worth the squeeze? If you've never heard of short selling or a short squeeze, don't feel bad. Neither had 99% of the country before last week. Short selling is essentially the practice of borrowing shares of stock in a company and then immediately selling them. The goal here is to buy back the stocks at a lower price at a later time, return the initially borrowed shares, and pocket the profits. This practice, however, incurs a significant level of risk. As a short seller, we respond for paying the difference in the price of the stock if it were to go up instead of default. Short selling also leaves you susceptible to the jaded short squeeze. A short squeeze occurs when the value of a shorted stock is inflated, causing the price to go up. During a short squeeze, the short seller is forced to buy back all the stocks that they shorted to avoid incurring further losses as the price of the stock rises. By January of this year, 140% of GameStop's publicly invested shares have been short sold. If this seems mathematically impossible to you, don't worry, there is an explanation. This is because a significant amount of GameStop stock have been shorted, relent, and then shorted again. 
This trend caught the attention of a corner of Reddit called Wall Street Vets. Members of the subreddit saw that GameStop stock was being undervalued and realized that they could trigger a short squeeze. On January 25th, over 175 million GameStop shares were traded, making it the second largest in a single day in the history of the Dow Jones. Wall Street Bets was able to successfully drive up the price of GameStop stock 1,500% between January 11th and January 27th. As of January 28th, GameStop stock traded at its highest ever price of $483 a share. It even briefly rose above $500 a share during pre-market trading hours. On the same day as GameStop's record-smashing stock trading price, the the popular stock trading app Robinhood halted the purchase of GameStop as well as several other volatile stocks. This trend was followed by, by other platforms in the following days. On January 29th, Robinhood claimed that they had implemented trading restrictions on GameStop stocks as a result of the sharp incline in the amount of capital needed to execute trades. In other words, because the amount of time, approximately two days, between when a stock is purchased and when cash and securities are exchanged, brokerages have to post collateral in order to ensure their clients' transactions. This is done so that in the event that a brokerage fails, it does not cause a domino effect of damaging other brokerages as well. By February 2nd, GameStop's stock price fell more than 80% and closed below $100. Other stocks such as AMC Theaters and BlackBerry also fell. An estimated $27 billion in market value had been lost since GameStop's highest trading price the previous week. It is believed by many that the sharp decline in GameStop's stock price was a direct result of the trading restrictions by Robinhood and other firms. So that's the story of the honky stonk badonka donk, Joey. What do you think? Well, it's quite an interesting uh, turn of events. I know GameStop had been struggling and really still is struggling as far as a company tried to get uh, customers in a day and age where people are buying games online now, you know. Uh, but it's kind of crazy uh, seeing all these people, uh, regular people like you and I, buying GameStop, uh, GameStop, GameStop stock. Uh, it's really a tongue twister, isn't it? Um, I don't know how well you're editing the the story that we just did, but I messed it up like 50 times. So don't yeah, feel bad. We're, we're going to edit that much out, but the discussion we're not going to edit so much. Um, That's okay. Yeah, GameStop stock it's like it was going through the roof now it's falling but um yeah it's just kind of insane and you know some people might have been doing it to screw over hedge fund managers others uh might have been genuinely interested in the stock and wanted to see GameStop continue for whatever reason be uh, just nostalgia for the company or what I don't know yeah yeah, I mean, I understand that. I mean, like we've talked about nostalgia in previous episodes, and you mm-hmm. know, nostalgia is pretty powerful. Like me too. Like it, I don't do it as often as I used to, but every couple months, you know, I'll just go to GameStop. You know, I'll spend like you know forty, fifty bucks, sixty bucks, maybe on a new game if I feel like it. Just right. You know. Yeah. Just, just something about walking in the store, looking around for like twenty minutes, picking something out. You know, yeah. maybe checking out some reviews on my phone, whatever. Yeah, definitely. But uh, at the end of the day, like you know. It is a dying business. You know, brick and mortar yes. itself is dying. So is physical media. Yeah. So GameStop was like doubly screwed, you know? Yeah. But, uh, well, I don't know that all brick and mortar is dying. I mean, look at Target. I mean, well, Target has its uh, physical stores. And I think a lot of people are still going to want certain physical stores, Target being one of them. But Target also has a huge online presence now. And they've done tremendous business online. I think a company like that has um, a reasonable chance of surviving if they want to do both brick and mortar and online and do it well. Um, well, that's the thing. I mean, all these brick and mortar sites are going to have to move online eventually. Like in the next, in, in 50 years from now, like in, I guess, 2071, the retail space will look much different. Like brick and mortar is going to be like what online retail was like in the mid 90s you know what i'm saying it's gonna be like a niche thing maybe you kept you'll have like a corner store here and there but i don't right. think you're gonna have like these big box stores i think those can be primarily online you might have a few here and there in certain markets but i think overall 
I think like the, the online, you know, direct service, you know, next day free shipping. I think that's going to catch on and that's going to be just the norm, you know? Oh, yeah. And Target is definitely heading that way. Um, I think um, I see Target stores. Uh, the Target store, you know, of right now is probably not going to be the Target of the future. In fact, I know a lot of the newer stores are smaller stores. You know, if they if they continue as brick and mortar, I see smaller locations that serve the community needs at the same time uh just nationwide they're going to be mostly an online retailer i think yeah. you know oh that that's, we'll that's see. what Never i could happen you know because i i do see smaller stores like uh, serving community needs basically or like food line yeah. food line stores aren't that big you know um, for those yeah. who aren't here in North Carolina or in the South, Food Lion is a local grocery store. Food Lion stores aren't huge, but they serve a community needs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I say I think you'll have small community, like I said, small community places to shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're always going to have like your little dollar stores, your convenience stores, whatever oh. your mm-hmm. quick items that you don't need to wait 24 hours for. You know, right? But or, you know, maybe just in the future, you'll just be cheap enough just to have someone bring it to you. You know, mm-hmm. you never know. So, yes. uh, and, and yeah, here, here in the South, particularly for many people, shopping is a social ex- experience, you know? That is true. That is uh, very true. Other, so. other parts of the country, that may not be the case, but here in the South, it's the case. Yeah, you're right. Mm hmm. So, uh, so getting to game back to GameStop. Yes. Uh, so, what do you? What's your? Yeah. You know, what's your opinion about the whole like? I guess just how easy it is to create so much market volatility. I mean, obviously, well, it's that easy. It's what that yeah. they the capture lightning in a bottle is kind of right, right. Place, right time kind of thing. Yes. But, well, uh, well, hedge fund managers are mad, uh, but I think they have to realize that the stock market is a risk uh no matter what position you're in i think that yeah the hedge fund managers are used to making money now they're losing uh tons more money than they realize they lose and i i know one firm is going bankrupt because of it um but that's the risk when you're playing in the stock market you know it's gambling essentially it's probably not as risky of gambling as you would do in uh, Las Vegas or something at a casino. But well, it's this, still is, this, is, this is kind of the uh, this is the analogy they gave to my buddy Dave. I was trying kind of explain to him what's going on. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, all these hedge funds they went all in like on a four of the kind. Okay, mm-hmm. they had like four eights. They're like, oh, what's going to beat this? You know what I'm saying? Like the odds are so in my favor. I'm just going to bet all this money. And there's a very good chance I'm gonna make much more money on top of this. Right. Okay. So then Wall Street bets comes through with the straight flush, like, oh, sorry. So then they have their thing going on, and the other person craps out. But then Robin Hood came through with the royal flush, and they put the kibosh in the whole thing. So, like, I don't know if, you, if it wasn't for what Robin Hood and what other thing, what other firms as well did. Do you do you think it could have exploded even further than that? Like, I do you mean, think it could have like wrecked the economy or something like that? Well. Um, here's the thing um, we've got to realize the stock market is not the economy you know the stock market oh I know is, it's not the economy right. but I mean okay it's obviously it's not going to the economy it's yeah. like the stock market's crashed like you know three four times mm-hmm. since I've been alive so yeah. you know whatever but uh yeah, but yeah I don't know I, I don't know if it would have wrecked but... the economy I mean maybe maybe not, not. the economy you're right it would have yeah. do you but, think it could have crashed the stock market though uh, possibly. I mean, the economy is a wreck as it is at the moment, you know? So, yeah, it's all crazy. Like, yeah. isn't it weird? Like, the entire economy, like, of the world is built on debt. Isn't that the craziest thing? Yeah. But, like, um, can you imagine how different, like, the world would be? Like, if no one owed anybody any money. Like, countries would be different. Yeah, Communities would be different. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. But I think there's also some uh, class warfare going on here. You know, you've got the average person uh investing in all this stuff all of a sudden and the rich people aren't happy about it you know it's just uh 
they're losing money on this when they thought they'd be well, the making thing more is, money. Though, well, that's the thing. The way I look at it is too, like, like obviously, like I get from people like me's point of view. We're just out here trying to make a buck. Like I said, I bought stocks for the same reason. Right. But, you know, I'm, I'm a pragmatic dude, and I see from their point of view. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's basically like a worldwide pump and dump scheme. Yeah. Like the entire point of the operation, and this is legal. Like if we were like you know you know five or six hedge fund managers up in an office somewhere, we'd be committing major securities fraud. Yeah. But you can't charge the entire planet with securities fraud. Right. That's basically yeah. what the entire planet did. Yeah. We and basically all had insider knowledge about this thing, and then we blew up this thing. Other yeah. Thing, you know saying, well, so. well, I don't think it was everyone having insider knowledge, but maybe a good uh, portion of them did. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to just charge all that many people with it you're right but um you know i think um for me i've never been a big fan of the whole stock market idea in the first place i feel like businesses ought to serve their customers first when you get into like wall street and stuff like that who are they serving first and said it's not the customer it's the stockholder you know So I, I'm, I've never been a huge fan of Wall Street. I'm like, I'm like, customer comes first, not the stockholder. But that's just my opinion. Now, I see what you're saying. I mean, I mean, it, I mean, obviously it's a dirty business. That's the thing. I think that's yeah. why a lot of people are upset. It's because it's hypocrisy. You know, mm-hmm. these hedge fund managers. And I'm not saying these specific hedge fund managers are doing this, but it's commonly known practice that there are, you know, certain firms and people that will, you know. Just trade certain things back and forth to artificially inflate the price of something just so they can dump it and make some money. You know what I'm right, saying? Right, yeah. Like, people know that goes on. But now mm-hmm. someone's actually doing it and there's proof and they're not being slick about it. They're doing it right out in the open. Yep. And and now they're upset about it. But, yeah. You know, to me, it's hypocrisy. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you guys are doing stuff in the, in the background. You know, we got the guts to do it out in the open. Obviously, we got the guts because no one can do anything to us. But yeah. at the same time, you know, we're still yeah. being public about it. So. Yeah. Yeah, looks like the common people are doing a capitalism. (laughs) All right. So anyway, this has been a very news-related topic. And we're actually bringing back to a certain extent somewhat the news in the next segment. Right after this. like the music and sound effects we're using on the joey's totally tech podcast well we get the licensing for this music through epidemic sound if you're a content creator creating video on youtube or other social media platforms or a fellow podcaster visit bit.ly slash jtt epidemic that's bit.ly slash JTT Epidemic. And you can sign up for a subscription for as little as $15 per month. They have a wide variety of genres of music, as well as sound effects you can incorporate into your content. You don't have to pay royalties, you just pay the monthly subscription fee. Or you can also buy lifetime licenses to particular tunes and effects, too. So if you want to use some fresh music and help support this podcast, too, check out bit.ly slash Epidemic and sign up for Epidemic Sound today.
Hello, everyone. Welcome back. So we've got a couple of news stories. Uh, and we're not doing a full news segment, but, you know, these are kind of uh, stories that piqued our interest in the past week, I suppose you could say. Well, probably, so it's, more like a, it's more like a current event segment. Yeah, current event segment. And we're not doing every single news story that's important. I, I don't have time to do that, but I'd say each of us, both Antonio and I, will pick maybe one or two stories that we noticed in the past week that piqued our interest. Yes. So that that's how this is going for this uh, new segment here. Uh, so, uh, first of all, uh, Apple buys a Sundance movie for $25 million, which is a new record. Apple has bought the coming of age tell by, I could uh, butcher this name, Sion Heder or Heater? Uh, I'd say it was Heater. Yeah, maybe it's Heater. Uh, CODA, or that stands for Children of Deaf Adults. Uh, the, the movie CODA was purchased at Sundance Film Festival for $25 million by Apple. This is the largest ever deal at the event. The previous record setter was Palm Springs, which Hulu bought for $22.5 million in 2020, so not that long ago. Uh, this movie is about a high school senior who is the only hearing person in her fishing-centric family. Uh, she has to choose between supporting her deaf family uh, which are actually played by deaf actors and their traditions or chasing her dream of a music career. There was a bidding war for the movie with Amazon, which was eager to buy Coda, according to Variety magazine, but they might not have had the room to release the title in 2021 with their already packed lineup. Netflix had also shown interest in the movie. This purchase will help Apple increase their odds of picking up more awards for Apple TV Plus and compete against rivals, which already have prestigious movies in their lineups. So uh, Apple coming out swinging with their, uh, well, it's a couple years old, but their oh, yeah. streaming platform. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't hear much talk about Apple streaming platform, and maybe it's because I'm so used to Netflix and a few others that I use. The only Apple products I have are my phone and my watch, and that's it. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't have an Apple TV, so I'm not as familiar with their streaming service. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough just because it's... The market's already so saturated. You're against yeah. your Netflix and Hulu and your Amazon, and now you got your Disney Plus yeah. and your Peacock and your CBS yeah. All Access and all this other stuff. You yeah. know, it's just like, you know, eventually you're going to be paying more for your streaming services than your cable bill was. You yeah, know what I'm I know. That, so. that, that would be the downside. Um, I mean, quite frankly, I'm pretty happy with having Hulu for the most part. Yeah. I'd say Hulu and then Netflix does it for me um well cbs all access i'd have maybe see the way i do it is there's certain series that i like to watch let's say star trek discovery yeah once that's done well my girlfriend needs to watch star trek discovery too but once she's watched it i'm gonna shut that off until they come out with the next season and instead, I'm going to get Disney Plus instead so we could watch The Mandalorian and the Marvel stuff, you know? And then once we're done with that, back to CBS All Access, or I guess it's going to be called Paramount Plus or something like that in the future. But whatever it's going to be, uh, whatever series we're going to watch, I'm going to spend months watching that. And then, oh, uh, speaking of, uh, I'm sorry, switch to another one. You know, I don't want to do all the subscriptions at one time because that's a lot of money. Have you heard that? Uh, I guess they're. I think I heard this correctly. They're canceling WWE Network. Oh yes, all the, and all the WWE Network shows and everything is going to be available on the Peacock Network. Yeah, yeah, NBC. Isn't that crazy? Bought, yeah, NBC bought WWE Network. That's another tech story that did pique my interest honestly but i didn't think about it yeah so okay. wrestling fans who watch wwe 
Um, your stuff's being they, added. They can Peacock watch The now. Office too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. All right, so uh, so here's my story. Elon Musk, Elon Musk teaches a monkey to play video games with its mind. The world's busiest, the world's busiest, world's wealthiest man, Elon Musk, has announced that a company that he has founded called Neuralink has miraculously created a way for a monkey to play video games with its mind. This affront to nature was achieved by implanting a computer chip inside the monkey's skull using quote-unquote tiny wires to connect the chip to the monkey's brain. Musk was quoted in a voice chat on Clubhouse as saying that the monkey was quote, not an unhappy monkey. I mean, I know if I could play Pac-Man with just the power of my brain, I would be absolutely thrilled. (laughs) He didn't say that part. I had that last part in. (laughs) In the same Clubhouse chat, Musk explained that his company is attempting to get monkeys to play mind pong with each other. The end goal is for the 100-person team behind Musk's magnificent... (laughs) The end goal is for the 100-person team behind Musk's magnificent mind chip is to engineer an implantable interface linking the human brain to an external computer, thus expanding the rate at which information can be exchanged between our own brains and our devices. Neuralink is hoping to implant chips into quadriplegics in the near future to help them control devices such as computer mouses or a mobile device. Musk claims that Neuralink could possibly allow us to freely exchange thoughts and ideas essentially telepathically, or even allow our minds to live on after we die inside of the mind of an android or possibly even another human. I mean, some of this sounds pretty cool, but some of this sounds quite scary, honestly. So, like, um, what if someone hacks your mind and gets secrets that you don't want others knowing, you know? What yeah, if, I guess. What if you had signed an integrate uh, an integrate an NDA agreement? That's what I'm trying to say for a business uh, deal that you made, not to share any information until the release of whatever product or whatever, and someone then hacked your mind. Um, would you be responsible for that information getting leaked out? Uh, I suppose hmm. not. I mean, I guess you'd have to prove that your brain was hacked. Yeah, but um, but you'd probably be responsible for the security of your brain, you know? I think this is one of those, like, future problems. It's kind of like, yeah. okay, you know how they have deep fake technology now? You oh, can, yeah. Now, if you have enough, you know, processing power and enough photo samples, you can pretty much make anyone do or say anything. Yeah. Make a video of it. Yeah. And obviously, in the next 20, 30 years, that... You know, AI is going to get better, and that's just going to yeah. become a much more streamlined process. Mm-hmm. So, in the future, you know, you could have a video of someone shooting someone in the face, and it can be completely computer generated. And yeah, it could be indistinguishable. I mean, obviously, through enough scrutiny, you can probably tell what's an actual video and what's you know computer generated, yeah. or you may not be able to. It might become so advanced that it could be difficult to tell, especially yeah, with some low quality video. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So. Mm-hmm. Of course, this may or may not be the future. There have been technologies that people thought were going to be the future before that ended up not playing out, you know? So we'll see what happens, right? Well, yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, but, that's what, are, you interested in, are you interested in playing video games with your mind? No, I'm just thinking, like, um, just uh, with certain particularly neurological um uh, disabilities and stuff like that, how yeah. it could help people like that. I think that's a positive, Oh, yeah, it would definitely help you, you know? like, communicate. Or even if they yeah. said it, they could put your mind to, like, an android or another human. Oh, yeah, definitely. Even have you live on after you die. That's, yeah. that's pretty oh, crazy yeah. stuff. Yeah. But it's like there's the scary side of it, too, which I, I don't know how oh, yeah, I feel it, about it. it. You're kind of dabbling into dark mirror territory there. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very scary stuff, indeed. Well, luckily, we'll probably both be dead by the time it gets too crazy. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or maybe um, we won't be. Maybe we'll be living on a computer somewhere. Yeah, exactly. I'll say a prayer for those of you living in the future who uh, who are in the year 2200 that were curious about my podcast. All right? I'm saying a prayer for you now. <laughs> all right. Well, that's about all I have. Anything else you want to add? 
Uh, no, I uh, hope all the uh, Joey's Totally Tech fans enjoy the new format changes. Yeah. Like I said, we've got new exciting things on the horizon, so stay tuned. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for listening. I've been Joey Cagle. And I'm Antonio Guerra. And we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you to our exclusive subscribers, Laura Lassiter and Beth Warhan. As exclusive subscribers, you are considered executive producers of this podcast. Thank you for your support. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, check out joeystotallytech.com slash exclusive. You'll get ad-free episodes, full interviews, bonus content, and more. That's joeystotallytech.com slash exclusive.